Yo, 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 what is up, guys? Jack here, bringing at you a brand new podcast page here. I know I sound different, and that's kind of because I have a virus thingy, but to really show some support, please smash that like button and subscribe. Anyway, there are two different forms of forces relating to nationalism spoken about in the chapter, but are not actually nationalism. For example, supranationalism is when three or more countries collectively form an organization or committee that benefits all members. Sometimes countries get economic advantages, like in NAFTA. Sometimes countries can get political or potential military support, like in NATO. And sometimes countries can get political support. Or recognition as a country like in the UN. Um, some common examples of supranationalism is NAFTA, NATO, the UN, and the EU. The other example is subnationalism. Subnationalism usually occurs in autonomous regions and is when a nation gives its allegiance to a nation state rather than an official state. Some examples of subnationalism is the Kurds in the Middle East who identify as a Kurd before they identify as, as an Iraqian or a any of the other countries that they fall in in the Middle East. Based on the chapter, I believe that supranationalism is beneficiary or beneficial, sorry, to the world because it brings many countries together and promotes admirable goals like world peace. A personal connection that I have to the chapter is when I visited the 9-11 Museum over winter break. This museum displayed one of the largest and most catastrophic attacks of terrorism ever committed in the world, which is an example of terrorism talked about in the chapter. If I were to make a book cover for this chapter, it would be the entire world map interconnected via lines, displaying how globalization has brought the world closer together, a theme talked about in the chapter. This concludes my podcast page, and remember, supranationalism should always reign supreme.